This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Hello, I'm here with Andrea Medina. I'm so excited to have her here. She's an author and just a wonderful spirit. I can tell already. So welcome, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So I'm so excited to hear more of what you're going to share with us today. But could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. Um, I'm fairly young. I'm 22. And I am... Uh, for the past two years, I've been going through a bit of a whirlwind of changes, um, as everyone does, I, I know. You know, I was telling a friend the other day that human beings kind of go through this very, like, repetitive cycles of just growth and expansion. And, you know, the mm-hmm. past two years have been very confusing. And in terms of just I've been trying to get aligned with what I now feel is more resonating with what I want to do in my career, what I want to do with my interpersonal relationships. And over the past two years, I've been trying to shift careers. I was originally going to go into the like international relations realm, you know, working mm-hmm. with, with people in poverty stricken regions in Latin America. <clears throat> but I ended up making a bit of a switch to mental health um, instead of, you know, working directly with those regions in terms of you know, alleviating whatever conditions they were going through that were impeding their daily lifestyles. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, the shift kind of came out of nowhere, as most shifts come. Um, And I, I I do think it had to do a bit with the pandemic. Um, I was going through changes internally that were making me think a lot about my past and, you know, traumas that I'd gone through. And through that kind of introspection, I ended up uh, landing upon wanting to work in the mental health field. And during the pandemic, I worked on a book that was centered on hearing the stories of people that have undergone very life-altering trauma. Mm-hmm. And I shared my own story in, in that book, which is kind of half a memoir and half stories of trauma survivors. And I published that and after it came out, um, it came out this year in, in February. I ended up thinking of, of really seriously transitioning into into becoming a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm currently in that process of doing what I can to transition after those four years of, you know, undergrad that I kind of went in a very different direction. Um, mm-hmm. And now I'm, I'm more so going to, to this field that I hope will help others, you know, find their their own moments of introspection and and coming into their their personal power, you know, in a way. Oh, I love that. And for you to be, you know, so young and to step into that and have the awareness for that, that's amazing. That means that, you know, you have so much to fulfill and so much of an impact to make for a long time. So that's amazing. Thank you. Really appreciate your words. Oh, of course. Absolutely. 
So yeah, well, I just want to hear more about everything that you want to share today. And I know your book, The Energized Self, I just want to learn more about that as well. And just kind of the overall theme of, of the meaning behind it. Yeah, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. I really, I wanted to come on here. I've been on a few podcasts before and I've you know, I've always been kind of critical of myself listening back to things that I've said because I feel like I'm constantly changing and my way mm-hmm. of seeing things. And, you know, when I wrote my book, um, I was at a place where, and I think a lot of new authors and even not even new authors, just authors that are writing and that are, you know, constantly um, putting out different content, you know, they, they have this moment where they think like they, they already finished part of what they've written and they think like, oh, I'm at this point in my life, you know, looking back at what I wrote a couple of months back, even a couple of weeks, you know, I think differently, but I want to honor how I thought in that moment because it was mm. still part of me. You mm. know, I, I was still at that time, I was no nor wrong nor right. I was just growing alongside that version of me that didn't yet know what I know now. And I've kind of been in that stage when I wrote The Energized Self. I was still processing my own trauma that I mentioned um, at the beginning where, you know, just to touch a little bit upon it and not be so vague, you know, I was uh, emotionally and more so emotionally, but I was also verbally abused by my father growing up and my Mm -hmm. family also. And when I wrote the book, I was still trying to come to grips with a lot of what had happened and reading over some of the things that I wrote, you know, I was still very much in in blaming mode where I was in my mind's eye I was blaming a lot of you know who I was and the coping mechanisms that I had adopted on that trauma and I mean I knew that it stemmed from there but Mm -hmm. I think um, I hadn't yet understood a lot of the you know like the fact that my father wasn't a human being as well that was going through his own uh, inner turmoil and he was also just trying to make best with what he was, you know, dealt with, the hands he was dealt with. And um, through that process of, you know, furthering my introspection over time, I came to, to in a way, be insecure about my first book because I was, I thought, you know, people were going to say she's only 22 and she's still, you know, very much um, processing things. And she put this book out, you know, talking about trauma. And it seems like she's still kind of, a victim to the to the aftermath of trauma you know which is very much blaming yourself at times and mm-hmm. not being able to forgive the the person that's been the aggressor um and you know i i went through this whole like three months really when i was trying to reconcile that and you know i started being kinder with myself and and realizing that i i had the the bravery to put something out at this age when you know things were still quite uncertain but I had re- reached a certain level of of certainty in the fact that I knew what I'd been through and I wanted to share it with somebody that could relate to the stage of thinking that I was in at that time you know because mm-hmm. it might not resonate with me now but at the time it was all that I knew and a lot of people you know will will tend to brush away kind of what they're feeling and not honor it mm-hmm. um but, you know, we're human beings and even when we think we're getting better, sometimes in our in our spiritual paths and in our emotional paths, you know, we regress and we we go back to to perhaps 
being in like victimhood again and you know thinking that everything is happening to us and at times not really for us mm-hmm. um and I, I you know now I I know how to honor that but back then I would beat myself up for it I would fall into being depressed again um but yeah I, with right it's kind of a weird thing having published the book now that I look back at it because <laughs> it, it feels like a world behind you know but at the same time um I it's kind of like the whole concept of the inner child at times when they say you know you have to um honor your inner child and you have to you know go back and kind of hold their hand through what they've been through growing up if they've been through something traumatic Mm -hmm. and I think when I was writing the book you know I wasn't really doing that I was I was trying to be strong and not really let the emotions wash over me but it was funny that once I published that all of those emotions came flooding in and then it was time for me to just you know really respect that at the time that I wrote the book it was just all part of a growth and healing process it wasn't the end all be all there's some trauma there never is right and healing Mm -hmm. it's always ongoing um -hmm. and what I've been trying to do uh recently since I've been pursuing this career and in therapy you know I've gone to therapy myself uh, a lot before and I know that the main thing that therapists you know kind of tell you and stir you towards is realizing that you really have to hold compassion for yourself in moments when it seems, you know, impossible to do so. And it's because, you know, if you look at people that have undergone very, and not even just super traumatic things, just they've undergone things in their life and everybody does that come out of left field, you, you know, those people, they, you know, they might tend to brush things away and, you know, not cope with their emotions in the moment that they come because it's natural. But, you know, over time, they start kind of coming back in situations where you wouldn't expect them to. And, you know, when you brush them away again and you you keep moving forward, it's like they kind of rush to the surface again, you know, because they want to be addressed. Um, it's part of a of of a human being to really have that because um, we're made like I always tell people that we have kind of a physical body, an emotional one, a spiritual one. And, you know, sometimes when you're processing these emotions and you finally address them, I know that I felt super tired physically. And I don't know why, because I have been, you know, not doing much physically for for that week or that month. But Mm -hmm. I've been looking at kind of what people call your demons, which is, you know, something that you've been through that you've ignored. Um, And doing that, it takes energy off of your body. And, you know, what therapists tell you is to really you know, respect that and and hold compassion for it. And I think that, you know, I was being a little bit inauthentic when I wanted to go into this career of therapy and I was beating myself up for doing the things that a therapist tells their patient to do. So I started being real with myself and, and just realizing that life is really, you know, it's so complex and constantly things are destabilizing you in, in ways you wouldn't expect them to, but you always have yourself um, and that's really the most important thing, you know, having your your own back in situations like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I went through a whole tangent, so if you no. have any questions. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I love listening to you express yourself, and um, thank you so much for being vulnerable to share everything that, you know, you've experienced so far or touch on it a little bit because I know that's going to touch a lot of other hearts out there that may have been going through that same perspective. 
Um, but I totally understand what you mean as far as like, you know, when you grow and you evolve and you look back and you're like, yeah, I didn't know anything. <laughs> I say that even about myself like three months ago. And I'm like, well, I didn't have all that figured out. But it, I mean, that's not really what it's about because I mean, if we had all the answers, there'd be no point to growing. But it's really just about the journey and like learning along the way. Um, and it's it's good to to be able to look back and say like, wow, like, I've progressed. I would rather do that than to go back like five years from now and say like, yeah, I still think the same. Like, that's so bad. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) That's not good. Um, So yeah, so no, that's incredible that you're growing as rapidly as you are and gaining that sense of awareness and healing through that. Um, How has your family reacted to you being able to express yourself so freely with your book? Yeah, they've been very supportive, awesome. which was something that I was, you know, worried about too. Because when you go through a family trauma, um, I was telling somebody the other day that I never wanted to put words into the experience that my brothers went through or that my mom went through, mm-hmm. because it's something that even if you go through the same experience, it's just internalized so differently. And there mm-hmm. are still facets of what we went through that I know are very unique to like my siblings who are both males. And, you know, they had this male role model that he was very much their only male role model. And, you know, he wasn't really giving them what they needed at the time to come into a healthy understanding of what masculinity is Mm -hmm. and, you know, the way that they're supposed to interact with women. And it was just realizing that I could never really give a, a full account of what they went through, but I could give a semi kind of full account of what I went through. And I say semi because I I know that your listeners are probably familiar with this concept that when you go through something traumatic in, in childhood and, you know, later in adulthood as well, you tend to repress a lot of memories. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, even if it's not, it's usually not something you do consciously. It's, you know, this, I read this book the other day uh, from this famous psychologist that talked about how the brain just naturally part of our brain protects us from the experiences when they're happening and Mm -hmm. it tends to put them store them away and this part of our brain they're still there the memories but you know we're not able to access them as time goes by and they might come out you know if you are uh, experience a trigger or some experience that very much mimics kind of what you went through or gives you a a, your body and your physical body a a feeling that it's you know something that is familiar to what you Mm -hmm. experienced then the memory comes back into your awareness. But for me, when I was writing the book, I had a couple of clear memories of of the abuse, but Mm -hmm. more so than anything, it was a feeling and it was, you know, just knowing that the way that I interacted um, with men, with uh, other people that were in my career, you know, it was just, it all kind of was indicative of something underneath the surface that I had to look at. Um, And my family has been very supportive. My mom, um, you know, she kind of got the brunt of the abuse uh, in what was really domestic violence. And in many ways, I recently found out that, you know, when um, the abuse was happening at home, um, she was more so verbally abused than emotionally by my father. But she had gone to a social worker and, you know, she shared what was happening and the social worker just kind of brushed her away she didn't even really give her any mind 
Um, and she told her to just come back if it got worse, um, which reading more about this, I've been I've been reading a lot about it recently, about cases like this. You know, it, it is unfortunately a common thread to have, you know, certain social workers in, you know, different parts of the state here in California, and I'm sure elsewhere as well, you know, that do tend to say this, that do tend to downplay kind of what's going on in the moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, expect L to only act when something greater like physical aggression happens, you know, mm-hmm. but why do we have to take it to physical aggression to do anything about it in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's something that, you know, also my mom's account, I would never be able to do it justice. So I've been just very respectful of their perspectives and, you know, but they've also understood that for me, it's healthy and it makes me feel more like I'm respecting kind of my own trajectory by Mm -hmm. telling my account um, from my perspective and at the same time just giving them that space to if they want to one day stay what they went through you know have all of the liberty to do so and and feel safe that I will also support them and in that endeavor so it's it's very much been that way and I'm very grateful that it has Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that was also really healing for your mom and your siblings too, to have someone so close to them have that courage to say, you know what, like, this is the way I'm going to heal. I'm going to express it. And it's just, that's so important because so many people don't do that. They, um, like you said, like they just kind of like suppress it more but it only comes out in other ways it can come out in ways of like really damaging your body or creating disease or um, like having emotional outbursts and all these things because a lot of people just don't want to face it so the fact that you had the courage to do that is wonderful it's so important and by you doing that you're shifting the generations after you which is so important as well yeah, I, you know, I never really thought of it that way when I was going through the process of writing and then publishing until somebody that I spoke to about the book shared that idea that, you know, it's it's really impacting future generations. And, mm-hmm. you know, at, at times, like I have felt um, knowing my age, knowing that, you know, people in society, unfortunately, still view kind of when people talk about these topics and they're fairly young you know, they kind of not really pay them much mind at times. And mm-hmm. when I was going through the process of, of doing this, you know, I did view myself and I, I critiqued myself a lot with the things, the observations that I made. And mm-hmm. I called myself at times immature. Um, and it's crazy that you're saying, you know, it's very mature of you to have that because at the time, kind of that part of my brain that, and, and I've heard people say this, like the inner critic, you know, the inner critic was telling me, that it, it was the way that I looked at things was still quite immature, but it was my way of looking at them because it was just the awareness that I was at at that moment. Mm-hmm. And I was very, I think, fortunate and I thank God that, you know, I I even got away from those those things that you were just sharing, that people that suppress things, you know, tend to tend to have behaviors that are, you know, at times they could be aggressive just to really keep things kind of under wraps and not let them Mm -hmm. affect them in their daily lives for me it was more so like harming myself like I was Mm -hmm. you know I was going I was drinking a lot before I even reached the point where I wanted to look at what I'd been through growing up Mm -hmm. and I was drinking and I was using kind of relationships as a coping mechanism Mm -hmm. and you know once I 
I was able to escape those things and, and kind of look at them. And it was very uncomfortable to look at because I think, you know, for anyone, when they look at, at things that they're doing that are not for their highest good and, you know, I was overexerting myself, I was giving so much in, in loving relationships that were more so one-sided than loving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, when I looked at that, it made me ashamed. You know, I, it wasn't easy to, to see that I was really just being hurt and I was allowing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but looking at it, it gave me kind of that over time, I won't say it happened instantly because I don't want to give people a false account of, of <laughs> what, you know, really looking at those things can do. Because when I first started looking at it, I got depressed, you know, and mm-hmm. it was, it was like, if I can't be my own advocate, if I can't be my best friend, then what am I doing? You know, what, mm-hmm. what, what am I doing in this life if I can't do that for myself? Mm-hmm. And it, I did get depressed about that. But, you know, over time, when I started to get it, I, I first got depressed and then I got angry that I couldn't mm-hmm. be there for myself. And I think from that anger was that that kind of fire that stemmed to like do something for myself and finally mm-hmm. tell what I'd been through. Um, and when I did that, you know, it was until later when that person shared about the generational impact, you know, I realized that even if I didn't have that impact for future generations, I really did have it for myself in that moment, because I would have been, if I would have stayed in the pattern that I was two years ago, I really would have, you know, been kind of miserable in, in many ways and never found out, uh, my worth because that's something that, that I've been realizing a lot lately. I never mm-hmm. knew my worth back then. And it makes me angry to look back now at all of the situations where I really wasn't respecting myself and I wasn't giving myself the place that I deserved. Mm-hmm. And it's angering, but I think I've now been more compassionate with myself to allow that anger mm-hmm. and to see that it's a healthy thing that I feel it now. Because if I didn't feel it then, you know, then that would have raised some flags that I wasn't really feeling. Um, the anger that I should at being disrespected or just mm-hmm. being um, abused in, in some ways too. Because in my relationships, my romantic relationships, I was gaslighted a lot. And, you know, now I see it. But back then I was unaware of it. Unaware of it. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's mainly been that, you know, I will be very happy if this could have an impact on, you know, my children and, you know, the people that come after me. But I'm very happy that at this moment I could do that for past me, you know, past me who was very lost and and thought that, you know, somebody had to come in and save her, which was this very, you know, unhealthy thing where I, I thought that, you know, my next relationship would do it. You know, if I get this this career, it would do it. And then it was kind of crazy that the universe kind of made every all of that fall apart for me to look <laughs> within and to see that, hey, you know, none of that is going to actually change your mindset and, and change how you're feeling, you know, in mm-hmm. your body and your emotions. Um, and it had to get really bad before it even had to get like a semblance of, of some peace and, and some of that power that I thought I'd, I'd lost, you know, for a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I totally resonate with your story as well. Um, I always say like anger is a good thing. Like all emotions are good. I mean, mm-hmm. all emotions are valuable pieces of information to guide you and, you know, are you on the right track or not? Um, but sometimes we get so caught up in those emotions and we kind of like paint this picture of making them 
bad and then feel guilty about them instead of like kind of listening to those emotions. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, anger is something that is, is, um, as long as you don't stay there, of course, but, um, it's a, it's a very powerful emotion to shift you out of victimhood, um, to get you to kind of take that ownership or to say no, or to set a boundary or to, recognize when you've been dishonored whether it's from yourself or from others so I know um like just the fact that you found that space like there's that shift happening in you so that's super powerful thank you yeah I'm so happy you touched upon that we do tend and I I did that a lot I would shame my anger thinking that mm-hmm. you know at first when I when I was kind of in the thick of it and I was acknowledging a lot of things that I'd suppressed I would feel like that anger was kind of I don't know I just felt like it was such a strong emotion after having pretty been numbed out to a lot of things like mm-hmm. I don't know that's not even an expression but I was just numb <laughs> yes. to a lot of what had happened uh-huh. um, and then when I started feeling the anger I was I was just self-conscious about it. And then later on in time when I felt it after I had done um, a bit of introspection for like about two years, you know, I felt, am I regressing back to, to being stuck in those emotions and not really knowing what to do with them? But, you know, that anger was just another part of healing. And, you know, it was natural to have it come up. It's like you said, all emotions, you know, really are natural and should be honored, you know, as long as if a a thing like anger or like very deep sadness, you know, staying stuck in them really, if you can acknowledge that, you know, you, you, I think I get out of those emotions quicker when I Mm -hmm. don't judge them instead Mm -hmm. of, you know, just sitting in them and being like, why am I feeling like this again? You know, when I allow myself to feel angry and I don't judge it, it like tends to, to go away quicker and I have more room to feel other things, you know, in the future. But, you know, it's only human to have that. It's not, but it's when you have like a very, I don't know, I've, I've had a really strong inner critic um, for pretty much all my life. And it's, you know, whenever I go to therapy, it's kind of the one thing that I always work in because I, I want to be my own best friend, you know, because if you can't, then you're always in some capacity looking for that, you know, validation and that help from other people. And it's good to have that because every human being, you know, kind of needs it, but a certain degree of it. But you also have to be that for yourself um, a lot of the time, you know, when you can't get it. And, and, you know, life sometimes takes you to directions that if you're not there for yourself, then, you know, who really will be. Um, but it's it's a process for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think also trusting that it will shift um, because mm-hmm. for me, like I'm a pretty like calm nature, but sometimes I get upset. It's not common, but when I do, I've learned recently, like, nope, don't pacify yourself, sit in it, mm-hmm. just sit in it. <laughs> and it's uncomfortable and it's icky, but I find that I like through that, I'm able to receive the message of whatever I need it to resolve that anger and then I'm good. And then the the anger won't come up again because I resolved it and I'm like, okay, I got it. And it's done. And it, whatever that um, association or whatever I was associating the anger towards before it won't, it doesn't have the power to anger me again because 
I allowed myself to like deal with it, understand it, and then move forward. But Mm -hmm. a lot of times, like as children, we're often punished for those raw emotions. Like, you know, a child has like a temper tantrum, they get punished or they get, if they're angry, they're just expressing themselves. It's like, depending on your parents, you know, like, no, stop crying, whatever. Um, That teaches you to suppress those emotions or to feel guilty for it or to um, anticipate some type of punishment for feeling that emotion. That's why we do that. So it's a, it's kind of like you have to reparent yourself um, Mm. once you gain the awareness that it's like, oh, that didn't really work for me. (laughs) That parenting style I had, I'm sure it served some purpose, but didn't really, it didn't give me everything I needed. So um, and you're you're still so young, like you're still <clears throat> growing and developing, and and I I just think that's so impressive because <clears throat> it wasn't until recently that I kind of stepped into that space of understanding that, and like to be able to get to that space of where you are now, ten years ago, whew, I'm like, man, my life is gonna be much smoother. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be easy, but it won't feel unnecessary, unnecessarily like all this turmoil, you know, mm-hmm. so that's, that's huge. Thank you. I liked how you touched upon that reparenting um, aspect. You know, when I started learning about reparenting, mm-hmm. I, I did this, like, for me, it's been hard um, to get in touch, you know, with that kind of like the younger version of yourself and you know I I look at childhood pictures to kind of I don't know just get in that mindset of of looking back in time because sometimes when I look back in time since there are a lot of uh, unfortunately the more salient memories or some of the darker memories that I Mm -hmm. kind of wanted to push aside for a while and when I start looking at these childhood pictures And I see that there were a lot of joyful moments, you know, looking at the images and sometimes our brain distorts memories and, you know, Mm -hmm. that's also very natural. But, you know, looking at the pictures, I kind of get this sense of peace that we never really have the full image in our brains that it's the accurate image. You know, we have our perspective of it that we've gained through you know, the way that we've internalized experiences and, mm-hmm. you know, through different, you know, we sometimes we go through an experience that it's similar and, and it touches some part of our subconscious that we start associating it as being, you know, almost identical. And, and then we lose sight of, you know, the very like nitty gritty uh, details that are different, you know, but in, in that difference, there is also acceptance and, you know, seeing that, you know, when I look at pictures and I see myself smiling, like, well, I'm next to my father you know I think maybe there was a time that I can't recall when we shared you know a laugh we shared a joke and you know the mood was lighthearted and it wasn't as heavy and just you know angering as I recall it and Mm -hmm. I think that for me has been helpful in kind of I don't know if it's reparenting but it is looking at past me you know me when I was 10 years old 15 and having compassion for her because she, you know, in those pictures, you know, it shows me that I don't have the full image now, even though I, I want to honor what I feel now because it's, you know, it's what I have in this moment. But also, you know, the past, um, it had a lot of, of gray areas that I'm trying to, to look at and 
and really hold in, like I said, in compassion and love. Mm-hmm. And and when I look at pictures of my dad, you know, I see pictures of when he was younger and, you know, I just imagine that there's a world of things that I'm I'm not yet aware of. And mm-hmm. I, I, I come to peace with that and I, I let that kind of wash over me and let it be something that is more so positive and inspiring than then let it drag me down again into those very heavy emotions. And I know that might be kind of naive to some people that might be listening. They might be thinking, well, she's kind of wanting to, you know, ignore that there might have also been, you know, some trauma there and, and, you know, other things hidden there. But, you know, I've, I don't know, I kind of, I feel like that's a form of reparenting in a way, just trying to focus on the positive for once and, mm-hmm. you know, wanting that to, to really build me at this point that I am in now to also see the good in people and to not let myself because for a while I was kind of like all men are the same you know Mm -hmm. I saw my dad and I thought you know the relationships that I'm in are just confirming the the dynamics that I saw growing up and I would let Mm -hmm. that narrative run over and over in my brain Mm -hmm. until recently I got kind of real with myself I had a chat and I was like so what do I think about men like being very real I journaled what I thought about them Mm -hmm. and to tell you the truth it was just so many like an example of some of the words that I wrote I was like you know they're immature they're untrustworthy it was just all of these things that I never knew Mm -hmm. that I was keeping inside Um, Mm -hmm. and when I addressed them I was like you know the same way that women can like um, show these qualities you know, men can do so as well. It's it's a human thing. It's not a men thing, you know, mm-hmm. but over time I made it out to be that way because of the men that I saw growing up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now when I started actually acknowledging that there could be the other side of it, where there could be men that are very trustworthy, men that are dependable, men that are honest, you know, I started seeing more of that in my life, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it was, it was shifting that narrative. And, in a way, kind of taking ownership of it. You know, it's not happening to me. It's it's the way that I'm looking at it and choosing to address it. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I've been trying to share with my mom as well, because, you know, for her, she spent pretty much all her life with just this one person, my dad, you know, and she she was the partner to this person. You know, they, this person also raised her children and it's even stronger, you know, the impact that that had on her as a woman to start seeing men in that same, you know, undependable way. And, and, you know, for her, this was, you know, very much domestic violence. So it, mm-hmm. I really feel for all those women that, you know, are, are in their homes and they're going through similar circumstances and they think, you know, after they get out of it, that that is all that they're going to find, you know, there's not a, an alternative um, I really feel for them because I know it's a very difficult mindset to get out of. And I, mm-hmm. I see it in my mother and it breaks my heart. And, you know, I just, I really, the, when I reframe that in my mind, that it's it's really a human thing. You know, when you look at human beings, they can choose to look at their shadow and, and you know, address it and, and do better for themselves and for others. But that is very much a choice that every person has. It's not something that you will only find in men or only find in women and oh that was just such a an instrumental thing for my growth because for a while I felt like I was running in loops seeing Mm -hmm. the same kind of people in like when I would date when I would even my friendships I'd be like I see the same kind of dynamics 
And, you know, when I looked finally at myself and my belief system, then things started shifting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of just how it works. And I don't really, I don't think you're naive at all because no one is really a hundred percent bad or a hundred percent, you know, great, whatever. It's really the story you, you tell yourself or of how you perceive that person. Um, and what I had to do because, um, I had to like, look at my parents in a way of just seeing them as children Mm -hmm. and just seeing them past their, that they have limitations, like, right. So however they grew up, like I wasn't there, like I wasn't there to witness, like if their parents were abusive or the things that they faced, and then they're just kind of operating out of that capacity which could be very limited and it's hard for people to grasp that concept because it's like well you know better you know that it's not nice to do these things to people and they know that but they don't really consciously um know why they're doing it um they may know morally that it could be wrong but they're they may not have the ability to control um their mind just yet or to shift their perspective because that's all they know. Like if my parent was abused, you know, like dramatically their whole entire childhood, I mean, what could you expect? You know, that's, that's kind of what they've learned as love, um, unfortunately. And so they have no choice, but to kind of operate out of that way, towards their children if they don't do that inner work the way you're doing. Um, and so that's why it's so, so important to, to to go within and do that work on yourself so that um, I, did, I just don't think anybody wants to wake up and be the bad person, you know, mm-hmm. but sometimes they're limited. So they don't know any different, um, but it's, it's hard. So I think that that's really good for you to be able to take a step back and say, you know what? I'm going to have compassion in ways that I can. I'm still acknowledging, you know, my hurt, my pain in it too, but just to kind of see that maybe he wasn't always like that. And that helps you with your relationships because it's true. Like the stories you, you have in your mind and how you are perceiving people, they're only going to behave in the way that you perceive them. Um, and I'm learning lately just how amazing as human beings that we are. Like we're not just people, these bodies or individuals. Like we're all connected energetically and we're all communicating telepathically as well. And we're not aware of that. But when you're telling, when you're thinking your thoughts of a person in the presence of them, they're also receiving those thoughts and that energy as well, which amplifies their behavior too. And so it's like, they don't realize that (laughs) they don't know, like they're not aware that you're thinking these things. Like we don't have the conscious awareness, but they can like pick up like your fear or your, your energy or like whatever you're feeling around that person. And it can cause them to react in certain ways as well. Um, and it's like, we don't, I think if we understood just how like beautiful and like powerful we are beyond just these bodies, like we're not robots, like we are all connected. 
like once we acknowledge how big we are spiritually, it we it doesn't seem so personal anymore, yeah. you know? That was so, so beautifully said. Yeah. Uh, no, no, really. And I think, I don't know if you could relate to this, but I feel like when I started kind of delving more into my spirituality and, mm-hmm. you know, realizing just how, like you said, how magnificent, you know, we really are in the context of how interconnected we are. And that's why, you know, the title of my book was Interconnected Healing. I just feel like there's this, there's this like force that is so healing when you, when you have this awareness of, you know, how similar we are. Like when I interview people for my book, it blew my mind the way that they processed, you know, circumstances that are so different from mine, but mm-hmm. I saw so many similarities and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the revelations that they came to, I was like, it's so insane how I was literally at that revelation like a week ago and hearing them say it like word by word and, and it having the same sentiment, it was just so mind boggling. And I started thinking like, you know, really one thing that I, that we you just mentioned has helped me with um, over time, like, well, since I was fairly young, like I think this started when I was 13, you know, I was very insecure about my physical appearance. Mm-hmm. And when I started, you know, kind of getting into my spirituality and I wrote my book and, you know, just doing some of this inner work, you know, the physical aspect, it just kind of, I mean, I'm not going to say it faded because I still recognize that we're living in a world that is very kind of geared and, and you know, impacted by physical um, looks. And I see this, you know, social media and, and we know, you know, just how the way that we're portrayed physically has this weight in the the current society that we're in Mm -hmm. but when I started you know doing this this uh discovery for myself of of how I am you know a soul and I am you know really the spirit that is greater than my body you know it was just it was just a shift in my mind that you know really the things that I was worried about you know they paled in comparison to really connecting to my heart and it sounds like cliche and a little bit like fantastical at times Mm -hmm. but really like it brought me so much peace to be able to connect to what my heart wanted and in connections and what my heart wanted in my career and you know it's like we have these these categories in society also like I fall prey into them into talking about you know so how am I doing career-wise how am I doing in my Mm -hmm. personal relationships but really like how am I doing as a whole as like a human being even if I'm not certain that the next you know I'm not certain of of somebody coming into my life that could be you know romantic interest or I'm not certain about getting into this career that I'm venturing Mm -hmm. into that is new you know am I certain right now of of as a human being I feel like you know I'm starting to understand more of what are my strengths you know and and these strengths are mainly like interpersonal strengths like you know I I have empathy for people I have love for people and you know, that's something that's beautiful. And, and I'm starting to see that more so be salient than like physical characteristics, mm-hmm. you know, which, you know, I'm very fortunate. And I also had an experience in my life where, you know, I had a family member that that had, you know, this illness that really affected their physique, their physique. And, you know, they were very depressed for a while. But the whole time through my family go- member going through that, you know, I could only see those strengths in them that were internal and that were spiritual. And, you know, it got me thinking, like, why can't I see that in myself as well? And why can't people also view 
that that is what moves the world. You know, the world isn't really at an emotional level. It isn't being moved by how good you look in a picture or, you know, how you're presenting yourself. It's moved by how kind you are to a stranger. You know, how you're able to hold space for somebody that is grieving or things like that. You know, that is really Mm -hmm. what moves people into feeling at peace with themselves and with something greater than themselves. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. the whole rant about <laughs> kind no. of what you were saying. It just it really brought me back to that when I had that kind of thought a while ago. Yeah, absolutely. And you're very beautiful. So I'm like, what is she talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but but um, but no, we we. I think it's challenging for us to really get an accurate depiction of our appearance because we don't see ourselves when we're interacting with other people. We only see ourselves in the mirror and we're in the mirror. We're very critical. Like we're Mm -hmm. looking at what's wrong or, you know, what I need to fix or, Oh, let me just fix my hair or whatever. But we're not able to see ourselves when we walk into a room or when we smile and how we light up a space. And um, we're not able to see our warmth when we're in the presence of another person. We can only feel it. And, those feelings that we have within ourselves uh, project outwardly like a hologram Mm -hmm. and that's what people see. Um, So it's so, it's like very challenging because it's like, well, I don't see that. (laughs) It's like, dang, I wish I could see what other people see sometimes, but you just have to, um, the only way you can see it is to just feel it, just feeling, um, whatever you want to feel beautiful or kind or, or generous or just having that peace and love within yourself is just the best way to know that you're seen that way. Um, that's something that I had to learn as well, like to kind of step aside from so much criticism and it's always going to be there, right? Like, I mean, it may not be as heavy, but I don't like, I guess for me, I don't see it like, oh, I'm criticizing myself because I'm wrong. I just always want to get better. And I I just Mm want to be like my best representation of myself, I guess. Um, So I I guess that's the way I I view it. But I had to shift from not letting that hinder me. Like, oh, I can't be in a relationship because I don't look like this. No, no, no. Like that's when you know, like you're blocking yourself. But Um, Just having that compassion and gentleness for yourself and just knowing that you're beautiful and you're just, you know, you're a light. Like you're, again, you're so much bigger than your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. I like how you said that about, you know, because we really don't view and, and really you saying that was therapeutic to me because it's something that is very recent for me, you know, this, this dichotomy of, you know, appearances and really what ends up mattering in the grand scheme of things. And you were sharing that we don't see ourselves interacting with others, you know, Mm -hmm. lighting up a room with our specific demeanor and our Mm -hmm. way of, of having this warmth and this energy, you know, because really, when I got into spirituality, I started understanding energy and how all of us carries a very, like, specific kind of frequency of this energy. And Mm -hmm. it's, it, it stems from, really, you know, addressing that emotional body that that I was talking about in the beginning of our conversation. And mm-hmm. for me, that was all very mind mind boggling. You know, I never really saw, unfortunately, I lived in this kind of like, uh, just a 3D kind of perspective where it was mm-hmm. what I could see. 
but really you sharing this right now is very therapeutic because it is how I view other people you know when they come in I don't focus like you know I had insecurities growing up where one of my big insecurities was my nose and I would always think that people were looking at my nose when I would be in like you know a social setting but really when I think of how I look at other people I never focus on one feature that the person might be insecure about (laughs) I'm never like oh my they're not talking like they might be talking to me about like climate change and they might be talking so passionately about it and the whole time I'm not like oh my god look at their nose like you know I'm not paying attention to anything else that's all I'm focusing on you know that's never my reality so I don't know why I made it out to be (laughs) that other people would somehow be looking at that you know and and now it's like so absurd when I actually think about it but that's what we are at times you know as human beings like we think that it's all about this one thing that we see in the mirror but you know, it's, it's so much like more holistic than that. You know, it's like we're looking at your tone of voice, you know, how enthusiastic you are, you know, how passionate you are. And all of that kind of strikes a chord within us. And you shared it beautifully. Like it, it's what we feel, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not really what we're, what we're looking at. I don't know. It's crazy mm-hmm. the way that that works. Yeah, it is. But it's also so liberating too. It's like, oh, wait, so I don't have to care about this stuff as much as like, mm-hmm. like I just need to care about how I feel. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's so true. And, and I don't know if you're like, this is kind of like a side conversation. I don't know if you're like this too. Like, you'll feel really good. Like when you look in the mirror, like, yeah, I look good. And then you go to take a picture and it's like, what? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, wait. Which one do I actually look like? Like, uh-huh. do I look like the mirror or the pictures? If I look like this picture, yes. I need to get humble real quick. <laughs> I, I am not that cute. <laughs> oh my I'm like, gosh. which one is it? <laughs> I'm going to go with the cameras inaccurate. And I say that because I know when I look at the moon, it is gorgeous I know it's beautiful and I take the picture it was like a dot so yes I know that's wrong so excited (laughs) to send those pictures of the sky and then when I look at them I'm like it does no justice not even like a fourth of justice to how beautiful it looks I think that is us too let's let's think that exactly that's we're just gonna accept that that's what it is and yeah Yes, we're making what you just sense. shared reminded me of one <laughs> percent. What you shared reminded me of this one thing that I heard once that you know we're kind of like so used to our features that and and to just like our the way that we look really in as a whole that when somebody else you know sees us you know they they really they could be seeing you for the first time or they could be seeing you for the second time that week and it's like striking when they see you because you know they're not with you all the time like we are mm-hmm. you know we see each other so every time we, we wake up in the morning we see the same same person in the mirror <laughs> um so we're kind of getting used to that and and we think you know like we don't notice how striking we are you know yeah. somebody that that sees us for the first time and, and even more times so it's just mm-hmm. like realizing you know that that kind of uniqueness that we all have and and how it's a breath of fresh air to to new eyes eyes that aren't full with criticism like you know we tend to kind of be and and unfortunately I feel like our society is very conditioning nowadays towards that critical mindset Mm -hmm. um and it makes me very sad for for future generations you know that that will you know I hope that it I know there there are a lot of people like you with your podcasts and you know, people on, on social media too that are starting to share a more um, authentic 
kind of uh, narratives and perspectives of, of beauty. And I hope that it continues to, to be that way for future generations. Because it's very sad to see a little girl, you know, like I look back at me and how I was like when I was 15 and I idolized, you know, these these images of, of women. And, you know, I thought that I would never look like them. And it was this this point of of tension and sadness. But, mm-hmm. you know, there was so much going on in my life that, you know, that really was the most minimal of things. But at mm-hmm. times as a as a little girl, as a teenager, it feels like it's everything, you know, when we when we focus on that. And, you know, I just hope that more positive role models, you know, continue to emerge to, to shed light on, on those parts of ourselves that, that shouldn't be altered and, you know, shouldn't be, um, you know, put in the dark because it's something so unique and special and, and it's going to strike somebody as, as beautiful and, you know, it should strike you like we were just sharing, you know, like, you know, when you see in the, you look in the mirror and you see the camera shot. You know, really, what makes you feel at peace with yourself? Obviously, mm-hmm. you know how you first had that that look in the mirror, and you thought you were beautiful and stunning, and and you felt good. You know, stick with that if it's gonna make you feel good, because it's really about you all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. At yeah. the end of the day, yeah, absolutely, and and also just to remember, like a lot of the insecurities we have are honestly lies that someone mm-hmm. else told us because like we don't come in this planet thinking anything like we're just here we're happy little just happy to have a body and just exploring and at some point someone taught you that or someone told you that from their distorted reality and so it's like it's all just lies you know but Mm -hmm. the thing that's so powerful about our brain is like as soon as you accept it as a belief it just like it makes it that much more of a reality Mm -hmm. so um like you're you're like learning about how your physical appearance literally like shapeshifts based on your beliefs about your appearance and things like that it's just like it's mind-boggling what the brain can do it's just like incredible how like I look at my like I look at pictures of myself from a long time ago um (laughs) when I knew that I was like more insecure and I was like I don't even look I I don't even recognize that person like I just I I don't even look like that. It's crazy. But it's like, you're yeah. the, it's the same DNA, same body, <laughs> you know, same, like, no plastic surgery. But, it, I mean, mm. your mind, your brain can literally, like, change your whole appearance. I just find that to be, like, so mind-blowing. Like, oh, my gosh, it's crazy. Yes. I, that's <laughs> why in therapy, you know, one of the big things in therapy that, you know, the therapist tries to get at when they see a new patient is, you know, what are your belief systems, you know, and really in those belief systems, they start seeing where kind of the insecurities, the anger, you know, those heavy emotions, where they're stemming from. And a lot of the times, like you were saying, you know, their lies and your belief systems are built off of these false Mm -hmm. narratives that are built from somebody's, like you said, distorted reality. And, you know, we, we place so much dependence on that that really we never like take a moment to see where we fall into that you know line of thinking and when we when we do that it's like transformationally like you were saying you look back at these images 
and feel like there's a world of of difference in there but it's literally the same person it's just you know you've you've shifted kind of timelines and and you've landed upon this different timeline where all of a sudden like what you were seeing before is it's just it feels like it doesn't resonate with your soul and and with what you're doing now so crazy Mm -hmm. definitely relate to that yeah it is it really is but it's also um like it's such a a a freeing mindset to have Mm. because it's like oh if I'm not happy I could just change it you know and I don't have to go outside of myself to do that I don't have to do anything externally to change that I just need to change my mind like you know how I'm I'm thinking because I think everybody is beautiful I mean I know that's so cliche (laughs) but I really do it's only when like those emotions and your emotions change your face you know like that's mm-hmm. why like we don't look like we do when we're children like yeah it's aging but like we know like when somebody has gone through like a major depression their whole face like completely changes like you can yeah. s- visibly see that so I think it's also freeing to know like it's as long as you can get control over your mind and and you know what you're experiencing and how you're responding to things. I mean, it will just be projected outwardly. So, yeah, yeah. very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, so you like, that's why you hear this thing of like people saying that once you feel that kind of confidence within and you feel like you understand now, like what you were saying that, you know, you're, you're coming to terms with really what you feel and, and you're not being led by what others have taught you and, you know, have kind of instilled in you, you know, people notice that like it, it radiates in your energy in some very strange way that I don't really know how it works. But, you know, mm-hmm. people could really see that there is this light about you and, and really it's lightness. I feel it's just yeah. like you, you're not carrying all of those outdated belief systems mm-hmm. and, you know, false belief systems. It's like finally you're buoyant in mm-hmm. just your own understanding and mm. that is beautiful because that is only yours, you know, and you, you won't find that anywhere else because it, it was built from your own unique experience that led up to that. You know, mm. like a couple of weeks ago, you could have been the most insecure person that was still trying to grapple with, you know, their worth, finding their worth. And then mm. all of a sudden, now that you've reached this, you know, line of thinking that is so much lighter because it's, you know, you've allowed yourself to hold compassion for that version that didn't really know you know where to look I mean was looking elsewhere and didn't look within you know but once you reach that point it's like you know it changes your entire demeanor not only your your physical appearance it's really mm-hmm. mind-boggling to me as well because in the past I wouldn't really see it that way mm-hmm. and you know now that I do it's like you know I I I really like when I compliment somebody now I make it a habit to really add like a compliment that is not only physical, but it's also like, you know, I like, I like, you know, the way you treated that person or it's, you know, it sounds a bit cliche, but when I get those compliments, like I get so happy now. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, the person was paying attention to not only how I looked, but just the way that I presented myself to when I was with other people. And I don't know, those compliments re- really stick to me longer than the, the physical ones, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, you can keep that forever, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. I love this conversation. This is so much fun. <laughs> I do too. Um, so how can anyone get a hold of your book or get in touch with you or connect with you? Yeah, um, I have my own website. You could go at www.authorandreamedina.com and there you could uh, pre-order, not pre-order, you could buy the book. Um, it's available on Amazon. If you just type the title, you could find it there. It's also, um, you could go to my Instagram, which it's Andrea Medina underscore author. And you could find posts about the book there and just, you know, about all things kind of self-development, spirituality, um, topics like that. Awesome. Very good. And was there anything else you wanted to share with us? I know we talked about a whole lot, but was there anything <laughs> else you wanted to share? Um, no, I don't think so. I think we talked about a lot of really cool topics. You know, I really enjoyed our conversation. And you're such a cool person. You have, oh, you know, such, you. Yeah, I could feel your, like, even though I can't see you, phys- like, physically, you know, we we're just talking about that. I can't see you. I could feel all of that, you know, good energy. And, you know, I'm just so fortunate that I was able to be here speaking to you. And thank you for having me again. Really appreciate it. Aw, same here. You have very beautiful energy as well. And I'm so excited to see how far you're going to go. Thank you. Thank you. you. (laughs) All right. Enjoy your rest of your day. You too. Take care.